This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Thursday morning as we welcome you along to the programme. We've got Bernie taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Text and WhatsApps are up and running as well at 0862-103-103. And reading the forecast, kind of a mixed bag uh, today. And certainly we've had some grey skies and we've had some showers of rain over the last couple of days. But the good news is hang on to the shorts and hang on to the sunglasses because it looks like some of the warmest days of the year are on the way, particularly for next week. The rain that we're experiencing and likely to experience today will clear towards the southeast today. Tomorrow there and and over the weekend it'll be kind of be a mixed bag, but forecasters are hoping that large swathes of next week the weather will be largely dry, it'll be largely warm. There'll just be the odd occasional showers, but overall we should have good spells of sunshine and they're saying temperatures for next week will be in the mid to low uh, 20s. I must pass that on to uh, Ken on our breakfast programme because he's got his two weeks off so maybe he's picked the right two weeks uh, to have off. Now you're very welcome along to the programme. Texts are already starting to come in. I had a lovely text if I can find it here and I think this is it's one of these quotes of the day that I received. Thank you to the listener for this. It says quote of the day. Most of the problems in life come because of two reasons we act without thinking and we keep thinking without acting <laughs> this is a side Patricia you solve half the problems when you're impulsive so carry on how true you are and another listeners inquiring by text this morning is the walk in test centre in Dunmanway open and is it open on Saturdays I took a quick look on the HSC website and yes the Randalogue GAA Club in Dunmanway is still one of the walk-in test centres. Of course, you don't need appointments uh, now. It's open Monday to Saturday, and it is open Saturday as well, Monday to Saturday from 9am to 5pm. That's for the listener inquiring about uh, that. Now, we have been talking, certainly yesterday we were talking about will there be a delay on the reopening and the lifting of the restrictions. We know the next set of restrictions are due to be lifted on the 5th of July. All of the papers today are carrying lots of uh, reports that there is looking like there might be a delay to the reopening of hospitality. 
and also uh, reducing the what's planned for the 5th besides the opening of hospi- hospitality there also more would be allowed to attend indoor and outdoor events from July 5th a question mark over all of that now Leo Varadkar he was speaking at a private Fine Gael meeting y- yesterday he called the rise in Delta variant cases as a dark cloud on the horizon that was ahead of ministers signing off on the next phase of reopening and they're due to sign off on that they will be due to sign off on it next week. Government sources say last night they're indicating plans to reopen international travel on July 19th. They're likely to proceed with that and the main reason seems to be because plans are already in place for the EU digital COVID cert and Ireland has already committed to engaging in that scheme. Now the rest of Europe is starting it on the 1st of July but when we started to engage our Irish government said look yes we will certainly sign up to the EU digital COVID cert but in this country we won't won't, uh, sign up to it or allow international travel until July 19th. So it's believed that it's unlikely that that date will be pushed back any further and that would probably give comfort to people who've already decided to book holidays knowing that July 19th was was the date in this country that the EU digital COVID cert, the passport, the COVID passport would be rolled out. So that looks like it will uh, go ahead and probably because we've signed up to it with the uh, EU. But concerns remain around the spread of the Delta variant and ministers now are anxious as to what Neffet's advice will be next week. Last night some ministers were concerned but hopeful that reopening can proceed as planned. Neffet will meet next week. Now, uh, we were trying to get confirmation on this uh, yesterday. It's Neffet's meeting is due on Wednesday of next week. And then the Cabinet's COVID subcommittee, they're also going to meet. So obviously Neffet will meet sometime in the morning. They'll pass on their recommendation to the Cabinet COVID subcommittee. They'll have a meeting at some stage on Wednesday. And then it will be on Thursday that the ministers will sign off on how the next phase of the reopening will look. It is an un, it's an uncertain environment. That's what's been spoken about. The government's position is that the date is still July 5th, but the decision won't be made and can't be made until all the data is available. And that was emphasised yesterday by Leo Varadkar. But it is understood that when decisions are made about reopening, it seems that there's going to be a shift in focus from the number of possible cases which will come as a result of the spread of the Delta variant to the possible number of hospitalisations that may arise due to the Delta variant. Ministers will next week receive that briefing from Neffet with projections for hospitalisations and cases if the reopening continues as planned and also what would, what hospitals would look like if they decided to delay the reopening. But the UK, and obviously this when Neffet decide to do their projections, it's to the UK they will look because we now know the UK, are they at 90% of all of their cases are the Delta variant. The last piece of information we had here in this country, we're at 20% of all of our cases are Delta variant even though in the real world that's possibly higher because that data 
it came from two weeks ago, from the modelling two weeks ago. So the number is probably higher. But in the UK, they it shows that those who contract COVID with the Delta variant, they're just slightly over two and a half times more likely to end up in hospital. But it's not known yet how this varies amongst the age groups. So even if we think cases are going up on a daily basis when we call out the numbers uh, every day, we can keep going with our reopening because cases aren't in the metric anymore. It's how many people are going to end up in hospital. And when you look at our figures for the number of people that have been vaccinated, the number of older people who have been vaccinated, they are the people who are more than likely to end up in hospital. And it's already been reflected. I mean, every day when we when you hear on the news the daily new cases and then they'll show you the number of cases of people who are in hospital and the number of cases that are in ICU. Our numbers are going down and down and down and once we can keep them going down and they're going down as a direct result of the vaccinations I mean we're there's a huge proportion of say the over 70s and over 80s that have been fully va- fully vaccinated. I was looking at uh, figures the, for the over 80s uh, 93% of the over 80s have received two uh, doses and if you're looking at the over 70s, 97% have had one dose and 78% have had uh, two doses so the very, oh, the older people who are most at risk of ending up in hospital they are already protected so you would take it from that, that when Neffet sit down next week, they'll look at, okay, if we end up with Delta being 90% of our cases in this country, and they'll look to how many people ended up in hospital. It's the age group, and also not just the age group, they'll also look at how many of those people were fully vaccinated or had had one vaccine, because it's a very tiny, tiny proportion of people who are fully vaccinated end up in hospital, and that's what the vaccines do. They they don't. There's not a vaccine in the world will stop you getting COVID, but what it does is it stops you in the main having absolutely any symptoms at all. It'll certainly stop you from getting very sick, and the ultimate goal is to stop you ending up in hospital are God forbid dying from it so if we look at the hospitalisations and they keep steady we may be okay for July the 5th but the one big problem with this waiting and not knowing if we are going to have a reopening on July the 5th has to do with the pubs and the restaurants because if we are waiting until this day next week, this day next week is the 1st of July so if we wait until this day next week and say they make the decision this day next week and it is on Thursday evening round about six o'clock that the Taoiseach will address the nation to say yes we're having the reopening on the 5th of July. That is le- leading very little time for pubs and restaurants as little as three days they will have then to get organised to get back up and running for the reopening. Now so in some areas staff are already being hired, supplies ordered and premises have started to get uh, it's started to prepare but with all of these businesses now having to wait until Neffet and the government say for sure that we're opening on December, on July 5th, there's a bit of a wait. They can't fully put in their orders. They can't fully decide how many staff they're, they're going to need for July the 5th. And afterwards, publicans and restaurateurs want the decision to be made this week. But government sources are saying, no, it's not. They're going to wait for Neffet. They're going to wait until the middle of next week. So it's at the very earliest they will 
get the date will be this day next week and most of those discussions and decisions of course and the announcements aren't made until the Friday so that literally would give them three days uh, before they would be due to open. Uh, sources say that the government is sympathetic to the need for clar- clarity but the latest data will be needed along with an effort modelling and I can see Neffet saying okay we'll look at it this week because the modelling for this week of course would be different to the modelling for next week and I saw the Licensed Fitness Association there, the, they represent the Dublin publicans. I saw their uh, head, uh, Donal O'Keefe, uh, really pushing the government and saying you have to come up with, a, with a, a decision and a decision has to be made this week. He says they can't reasonably expect the entire hospitality industry to wait until next Friday for what their decisions will be and then be in a position to potentially reopen three days later. He said it's not practical. That's not how this business operates. They need to make decisions in relation to hiring staff, in ordering the stocks and supply. They need to time to get their premises uh, ready to open up. If all of that is to proceed, then they're going to need sufficient notice and publicans and restaurateurs are saying three days will not be enough notice. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls. Uh, today, we welcome your thoughts and comments. You can text our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Yesterday I spoke with Carmel who, bless her heart, was enraged uh, because she had gone to Clamel the day before, Tuesday. It was a three-hour round trip to Clamel. She drove her young son. He was going up for, to do his driver theory test uh, to get up to the driver theory test centre and it was completely lo- locked up. And uh, we were trying to find out what was going on and we ended up having to get onto the RSA because when we got onto the NDLS, they said, oh, no, no, that's the, that is the, uh, the RSA. So the RSA did get back to us uh, yesterday afternoon uh, and they they admitted yes Carmel was right uh, that it was completely locked up and she met somebody else from Cork who had also travelled on Tuesday uh, and they tell us that there were 75 candidates originally scheduled to test in Clamel on Tuesday but listen to this due to the fact that the government decision on reopening restricted capacity to 25,000 tests per month any customers scheduled beyond this number had to be cancelled all 75 candidates they say were contacted and provided with a rescheduled date with a confirmation email confirming the new date and the time but they do say it is possible that some candidates didn't see their e-confirmation email uh, detailing the new time and date now they did say that one of the candidates who turned up at the test centre yesterday had contacted the contact centre and acknowledged only reading the email confirmation this morning a day later they saw the email and they have rescheduled uh, the candidate and then they were saying the candidates will be accommodated with either an online test sooner and if restrictions allow more capacity uh, will be added in the coming weeks. Now we got back onto Carmel straight away and so we said okay, check your emails, check your son's emails, did you get a confirmation email saying that your test had been cancelled and she's adamant that they did not receive a confirmation email. She did manage to get through to the contact centre and she tells us now her son, by the way it has been confirmed, they're not going to charge her son. I should hope they won't be charging her son for the second test. He's been given a new test. He now has to wait. Now, bearing in mind that Karma said they had waited six months for the test uh, yesterday. He now has to wait about another almost three weeks. 17th of July, he's been given a new date. But wait for this. Karma lives just outside of Cork City and she went to Clonmel for the test on Tuesday. She now has to bring her son to Ennis, which is even further away than the Clonmel. But that's the next available test theory test that they they can give him on the 17th of July. It is absolutely shocking. And now we are getting texts in from people, including Alan says, 
Patricia, can you please, please, please find out if the Theory Test Centre is open in Clonmel today? We're due to leave shortly to attend for a test. We've tried ringing, but there's no answer, although their online site is saying it is opened. Their online site said it was opened on Tuesday as well, uh, Alan. And then somebody else says, Patricia, my son is due for his theory test in Clonmel today. It's at 2.15. Am I wasting my time bringing my son um, to the appointment? Because I'm also trying to find out if the test centre is open or not. Now, I've got Bernie in the background working to find out for sure that the test centre is open. But I know that it got discussed by the local independent TD for Tipperary, Matty McGrath. He's absolutely fuming over this because obviously a lot of his constituents in the Tipperary area have had either their appointments cancelled or they've gone to the test centre to find it completely in darkness. But he, the one thing that struck me when the RSA got on to explain the reason why there was no test conducted on Tuesday, all 75 tests were cancelled for Tuesday in Clamell. Doors locked, nobody got a test. And they say it was because they'd gone over the capacity of 25,000. Now that doesn't make any sense to me. I can understand a test centre being restricted because of reduced capacity. If there isn't enough space, I can understand if they'd overbooked uh, or, or something and, you know, for social distancing and all and all of that. But to be curtailing the service because they've gone above a certain number of tests, it seems to me to be absolutely uh, ludicrous. And I saw Matthew McGrath saying, and, and I have to agree with him, he said this is bureaucracy gone absolutely mad. It wasn't that they had double booked 75 and therefore they wouldn't have 75 computers and there would be too many people in, in the room. It was because the RSA have gone over their limit of 25,000 that they're allowed to do every month. That's not making any sense to me at all. And I don't know why, but it seems to be the Clamel Test Centre is the one that has been uh, picked on. It, it seems they're only going to be operating for 12 days over the entire month of July. So we take it from that. A lot of people who have a test booked during the month of July at the Clonmel Test Centre for a theory test, they're going to end up getting their tests cancelled. I did see somewhere, though, that they're operating for another two days in June. So could we be hopeful that today is one of the days they're operating on for June? Anyway, we're trying to get through to the source we used yesterday, just purely to let the... The, the listeners that we have who are about to get into the car and drive off to do a test, you don't want to be wasting your time because that's the one thing that Carmel I think found so uh, frustrating. She had to take time off work to drive her son. She had to pull her other child out of school to bring the other child with her. Uh, they got into the car. They had the cost of the petrol, the cost of the parking. You know, there, there was you know, a cost involved in it. And now she's got to do it all over again uh, for her son and take him to Ennis this time on the 17th of July. That is just not uh, good enough. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls today. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. And just briefly back to the driver theory test. Um, a listener says, Hi, my son's test was cancelled too. He was due to go to Clonmel Wednesday of next week. It has been rescheduled by email for October. Again, the Clonmel Test Centre. I would suggest everybody is due to take a test, particularly those people who are contacting us today uh, to check check their emails and the RSA 
did say for those that got the cancelled, all the 75 who got cancelled on Tuesday, that they did get an email. So to the people who have been contacting us saying they're afraid not to go into the car because nobody can get through to Clonmel. We've sent off an email to the contact who we got the information from yesterday in the hope that they'll pick up on it and find out for us if the, if the Clonmel Centre is definitely open because we know they're operating for two more days in June. But in July, they're only going to oper- operate for 12 days. So a lot of tests will be cancelled across the month of July for sure. And then Kathleen was on to say, my granddaughter did her driver theory test remotely, did it online on Tuesday from her own home. I'm just wondering why others can't do it that way as well. It's it's a technology issue. I think you have to have a certain kind of computer. I know, for example, you can't do it on a smartphone and you can't do it on a, a tablet. And I think that's that's the reason. But that option is there for people. They are certainly scheduling more tests if you have the technology to do it at home. If that, because that obviously would make it so much easier for so many people. Thank you for that, Kathleen. To 0862 103 103. Now, a Cork advocate supporting victims of serious offences is calling for more parents to be held accountable after witnessing the impact of crimes carried out by children. Sally Hanlon is Director of Support After Crime Services based on Anglesey Street. And uh, Sally joins me. Good morning to you, Sally. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, always great to have you on the programme. How Thank young you. are some of these children who are involved in criminal activity? What, like, what age group are we talking about? We're talking down to seven, eight, nine, ten, under ten. Doing what kind of crimes? Snatching, purses, handbags, criminal damage to, uh, material damage to cars, windows, breaking doors, um, anything you can think of. That they're that they're capable of doing, and it's very distressing for their for their victims and those affected by them. And they're simply too young to be prosecuted or sent forward for punishment. Is that it? Well, I I, I, I would say so. Yes, and it's not that. You know what I'm talking about is I don't want somebody that young who hasn't a proper intellect in the effects their actions will have on the people. I want them to be taught right from wrong. And I want their parents to be made accountable or their guardians for the damage they're causing. Monetary compensation to their victims. If you're living, say, be it a private house or a council house, it doesn't matter. You're living in a council house and you get your windows smashed in around you. The council won't pay it or repair it for you. If you're in, in your own house or a private house, you you have to pay for it yourself. So, like, those who are committing the crimes are getting away with it. And their parents are also uh, not to be held accountable. And does that leave the victim feeling, then, that they're getting absolutely no justice? Absolutely. Yeah. And the frustration and the annoyance as when they realise how young the offenders are, that they could be so thoughtless or reckless to commit such crimes. It, it, it's heartbreaking when you hear it and see the people. And known they haven't the money themselves to replace it. There was one case where a lad snatched a lady's purse. There was 60 euros in the purse. That's what she had to go to until she collected her money the next week. And that was gone. Who was going to give her the 60? 
to buy the bit of bread or milk or whatever she needed for the rest of the week. You know. Yeah, I remember talking to an an elderly lady, that's a good number of years ago now, who like that had her handbag uh, snatched. uh, And again, it was by a young fella. And again, very little money inside in it, but it was things like her rosary beads and there was something belonged to her husband. You know, she was just, she was devastated. She never went out again after that, Sally. She just, she lost all, she lost all confidence in, yeah. in herself she just was terrified every time she went out she couldn't go out on her own that the, you know it was going to happen again happen and, again and you, yes. you you forget you forget about that side of it um, uh, you as, do. as well you do and that can happen uh, like that can happen as a result of assault or anything else people will lose lose the trust in themselves to be able to go out but obviously it's a huge impact anything like that and, you know, you don't imagine it can happen to you until it does. And then you realize how how tough it is to, to try and get through it. I, I think that, you know, we bring children into the world. Our responsibility is to look out after them in all aspects, health, education, and the way through life. And if we're lacking in doing that, with probably lacking and all the other aspects of life. Try to say to people, know who your kids are with. Know where they are to the best of your ability. And, you know, get to know their friends. Mm. You know, bring them to the house if needs be and get to know them. But sometimes the parents don't care and the children know that they don't care. So therefore, they're roaming free. I think last night around the city was another example of us with the bonfires. Bonfire night, yeah. And yeah. I, I know the fire service had, had had a busy night. And then can some of these children be repeat offenders or is there danger they become repeat offenders because they feel they're going to get away with it? That would be the fear, yes. Um, because if they can do it at that age, what will they be capable of doing when they're in their teens? If, if it's not stopped, if it's not nipped at the bud, for everybody's sake, for the children's sake, like, you know, back in the day, you'd be doing stars justice where the children, that they'd be slightly older now at this stage, come in with a guardian and I'd represent the victims. And you know, taking boxes, the youngsters, and saying, yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, I won't do it again. But there was nothing to compel them from not doing it again because they don't fully understand the impact. They can't. Unless... Unless it happens to them, yeah. And uh, and would you be fearful that in some cases the parents are aware of what their children are up to? And if so, that's a much more frightening scenario. I wouldn't have thought of that side of it now, but it would be a more frightening scenario. Yeah. Give you an example, Patricia. A young fellow came was brought into us for a talk from a victim's perspective. And he had stolen, oh God, I don't know how many phones, valuable phones. I said to him, you know, what do you do with the phones? Oh, I sell them over town for 50 or 60. And he had this fabulous state-of-the-art mobile in his hand. And I reached across and I took it. And I said, oh, he said, that's my phone. No, I said, I'm going to go out in the street now and I'll get a seller for 30. I was really undermining the yeah. situation. He said, you can't. 
have you thought about that when you were selling other people's phones on the street? Yeah. And it was kind of like a of a weight thing. I can't do that. Now, obviously, I'll give him back his phone. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but yeah. You know, but it was just to show him, like, I can take that off you. And I'll sell it for less than the value, 10 times less the value, and get 30 euros for it. So, you, I think, I don't know where you start. It's like a chicken and an egg situation, really. If there's not a stop put to young offenders uh, by making, hitting the pocket of the parents, yeah. whether it's a small reduction or deduction from their payments or their wages or whatever else, and then that those affected by those crimes would feel somehow acknowledged. If it's only a tenner a week. Yeah, but his, his and where it hurts. But at least then the child would know well, what I've done. Is, there's now an implication in the household. There's an implication on, on yes. Ma or Da or, or whoever's paying yes. it. Because I saw, was it Sergeant Barry McPolden yesterday talking about the the amount of young people coming into, he was talking about 12-year-olds uh, coming into the city centre drinking on the weekends. And obviously we're heading into the summer months. Children are all off school for the summer. Are we going to end up seeing a lot more of that? And he made the very same point you're, you're making. Parents need to know when their children head out the door where they're going yes. and what they're getting up to. That's, that's right, they do, you know, and, like, there is an onus, you know, there is an onus on the parents. And if they if they do damage or commit crime uh, from their parents, well, then they must know that and they must stop it before they end up with a serious criminal in their hands. Yeah, and it's too late then? It's too late then. Yeah. So, it, 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 it's, it's an awful situation. I mean, I wouldn't have. We're having a problem. Happening. So your your line your line is breaking up there. What was your last? Co- your, what, yeah, you were okay. Now, what was your last piece? I said I wouldn't have been talking about this two years ago yeah. because it wasn't an issue, but now it is an issue. So now, for therefore, it's to be addressed by whoever. Okay. And uh, finally, Sally, how busy are you, and have you been at a support after crime? We have ran right through the, the pandemic. We've ah. kept our service open well by phone and by email. And uh, we are very busy. Are you? We are, yeah. We do a lot of work with people for their victim impact statements for the courts. Okay. But it's, it's, so. it's important for people to to reach out when they have been a victim of crime. I mean, that's where you guys and gals come in. I mean, the, the work that you do is, is absolutely incredible in order for people to somehow put their lives back together again and that they can regain that confidence. Yes, exactly. It is very important. It's important, number one, for to reach out, get help, feel acknowledged, feel heard. Yeah. And, and, and listen to and sometimes when they're talking through the issues, they rest themselves. And gradually you see people recovering. People do recover after crime. Yeah, that's By the dealing with it, early intervention. 
Okay, and in the meantime, young parents need to know what their children are getting up to and the effects of their children's actions, the effects that it can have on other people. Listen, Sally, always a pleasure. Stay safe. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Sally Handon there, great woman. She's Director of Support After Crime Services based in Anglesey Street. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, the high, high demand for holiday accommodation in West Cork is causing many low-income households to be made homeless, with local services saying they have never seen housing pressure like this before. To outline more, I'm joined by Una Burns, who is the Communication Manager of Novus West Cork Tenancy Sustainment Service. Uh, good morning to you, Una. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you, you're welcome. Are you hearing of people actually being asked to leave their accommodation so that the owners can use it as a holiday let? Yeah, I suppose we are, Patricia, because, largely because the accommodation that is in place for people who are experiencing homelessness in West Cork is actually holiday accommodation. So it's B&Bs and hotels, which primarily, I suppose, were developed for holidays and for tourists. And then when the season comes, um, then th- that uh, th- the availability of that type of accommodation becomes very, very tight. And people that might have been living in that type of accommodation are not peak ha- are asked to leave because, of course, it's more economically and advantageous to have tourists. Um, I think it's really important from the outset to point out that, I mean, uh, some tourism is the cornerstone of the economy in West Cork, and it's vital for for the for the local industry in the local region and in fact many people we support work in the tourist industry and many of the hotels and the B&Bs have been really supportive of people who are experiencing homelessness and it's I suppose it's not their main their main um primary objective wasn't to support people who are homeless. The issue isn't with tourism or it isn't with these B&Bs and hotels. The issue really lies with the fact that we're reliant entirely on this inappropriate accommodation to meet the needs of people who are homeless. And I also assume people who have holiday lets would rent them out in the winter for people who want to use them for to, to live in them. But people would know renting those that they have to move out in the summer months because they're needed for the tourist season. That's correct. People who might get uh, rent opportunities to rent property for six months during the, sum- or during the winter. But then in the summer, particularly for June, July and August, these properties can command much, much higher rents. Um, on a weekly basis, so people will have to move out. And that's not new, that's very common, and that's not unique to West Cork, that we can see that right throughout tourist areas in Ireland and even in Europe, and, and information and research has been done in that right across Europe in terms of rural homelessness and tourist areas, always peaks kind of in quarter yeah, two and yeah. quarter three. So that does happen, and people are asked to leave, and they're left in a very precarious position because many of those pe- these people have other complex needs relating to their mental health. So moving into a congregated setting like a hotel or B&B can be traumatic for them and really unsuitable to meet their needs. But now you've got the problem that the, the hotels and the B&Bs r- really were emergency a- accommodation. But if there's a huge lack of that now with the summer months upon us, where are people ending up sleeping? So we have people that are, you know, sharing like in inappropriate accommodations or li- living in substandard accommodation. They're living in very overcrowded accommodation and you have people that are involuntary sharing with you know generations of family you know so you might have granny and aunties and and the main family living together and you have people particularly young single people who would be sofa surfing and um, we have people that are living in their car we have oh. people at the moment that are living in their car um, so like we have we, we have instances of rough sleeping in the area which is prob- 
probably not very well known and we kind of uh, associate that with cities like Cork City or Dublin or Limerick um, but we do have uh, small numbers of instances of that too it's it's really inappropriate it's, it's really hidden lots of people aren't even counted in um, statistics because they're not availing of um, services that are funded by the Department of Housing so um, they're not counted in general statistics so they're harder to reach in many respects so people are living in really inappropriate accommodation and you know we anticipate and we know we know because every year it gets worse um, as we head into the summer months, and this year is an unprecedented year because so this of is like, on, this, this is only the start of it. Then you're saying, absolutely, this is the start of it. Yeah, now we have been seeing it, and you know, our, our partners in in the region, uh, Cork County Council, the HSE, Domestic Violence Services, they're acutely aware of this as well. And um, you know, I think obviously we need more social housing. We need the acquisition and the construction of social housing, particularly one and two bed units by the council and by approved housing bodies. But in the meantime, you know, we do have an urgent need now. We need dedicated accommodation for people that's run by professional, you know, social care, people with the background and supporting people who are homeless and supporting people with mental health needs, addiction needs and, and previous traumas. And um, so that they have that security. It's not a long-term solution, but at least, you know, they've that security throughout the year um, and they're not facing this um, constant um, fear of losing their home during the tourist season. Okay, and then in the long term, there is a huge demand and this isn't something just for West Cork, this is nationwide, a huge demand for more social houses. Absolutely, and as you say, it's, uh, it's in every city and county in in the country and that we need more social housing and we need to look at the demographic of people who are homeless most people who are homeless are single or they're very small families so we don't need you know a proliferation of all you know three bed detached houses with large gardens we need to look at the the size of houses they can be one bed units two bed units and smaller units to meet the demand of people who are experiencing homelessness and we can look at even you know the vacant dwellings in our in our particularly in our towns you know throughout places um, vacant dwellings in towns, you know, throughout West Cork, maybe the overhead shops, overhead, you know, takeaways, overhead pubs, that are that would be really suitable for people who are single and they're small, they're in towns, they can get to their services, they can stay within their network. So there are options for us to access housing that already exists that might just need some upgrade work done. But we've been talking about those premises, the overhead of shops where Mm. years ago people lived. There was a time when the shop owner lived upstairs and then came downstairs in the the morning. And every single town and and village has that accommodation. But we've been talking about that for years, Una, and nobody seems to pick up on it and do anything with it. I agree. Um, It's been something that was kind of the cornerstone of bringing back more housing into into society in Rebuilding Ireland, which was published in 2016, and the repair and lease scheme came out of that, where um, the government offered um, €40,000 so that you could do up your property and then lease it out for a long period of time. And the, the loan that you got, the 40000 will be paid back incrementally through the rent that was garnered from the property. But I, I suppose there's a couple of issues with that repair and lease scheme. Um, first of all, the 40000 really in, in a building context wasn't enough to bring many of these properties that were vacant for long periods of time back up to standard. And then I don't think it was properly advertised so that people couldn't have, you know, land, private landlords who might want their property to be brought back up and their property to be rented out might have been aware of the scheme. And the, the uptake has been remarkably low. And um, For example, in Limerick, in the whole city and county since 2016, just 23 properties were brought, brought back into use through repair and lease. And Limerick 
is one of the better counties for it. So there's something fundamentally wrong with that scheme yeah. because not, not enough people are taking it up. And, and the government at a national level need to go back and revise that. And we need to look at, um, you know, an advertising campaign to make landlords aware of it because, you know, there are, you're right, we're talking about this. I, I'm sure the next census will reveal a similar rate of vacancy than we had in 2016 because we haven't done enough to, to capitalise on that. Which is a real shame when you, when is, you look at the number of people. It's low hanging yeah. fruit, you know, yeah. it's, you know, and it, it could house, a real opportunity house so, there. so many people. Listen, you're doing fantastic work at uh, Novus. Thanks a million for talking to us, uh, Una, and uh, look after yourself. Thank you, Patricia. Take bye care. Bye bye. That is uh, Una Burns, who is communications manager with Novus, uh, the West Cork Tenancy Sustainment uh, Service. And your heart would go out to anybody in the West Cork area desperately trying to get accommodation at this time of the year. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 086 103. Can I wish the best of luck to all the finalists in the Network Ireland West Cork Business Woman of the Year Award? and they're taking place it's a virtual event I know it's taking place tonight online I won't name anyone but I know a couple of people that have been nominated but just they know who they are I just wish them well, so it's unfair to name anyone in particular so we'll just wish the best of luck to everybody involved that's all the finalists in the Network Ireland West Cork Business Women of the Year they're all each and every one of them mighty women just to get nominated uh, in categories is, is a win in itself and Irish Water and Cork County Council have been on to say due to a burst water main there is disruptions to water supply in parts of Donnerail and Buttervent today. It's ongoing. They're working on the repairs and they expect to have water back by about four o'clock this afternoon. And Cork County Council, Irish Water, apologising for any inconvenience caused. If you're in the Buttervent Donnerail area, you may have noticed you are without water this morning. And Mary in Mallow has been on to us. She's running a pub. So obviously it's all outdoors at the moment. But she's discovering a little bit of a problem at evening time. You know, those tiny little midges they're flying around the place but the problem that they're now having is they're landing in drinks and she wants to know does anybody know how to get rid of them in an outdoor setting it is really really hard we spoke about it last week on the programme and but it was to do with moths inside remember that and somebody was we were talking about scented candles and the citronella candles now I don't know how effective they'll be in an outdoor setting uh, but it certainly will be worth trying to get your hands on some citronella candles and light them and they'll be lovely. It'll be nice and it'll look lovely having all the candles burning. That might work for you. Failing that, I know myself in the summertime, you know, if you sit out in the garden in, in the evening time and you might go out and have a little glass of wine or whatever. Could you put something like a beer mat? Give When you're handing drinks out to everyone, hand out a, a, sp- a beer mat for underneath the drink and a beer mat for over the drink and tell them. You just put a beer mat on top because there's nothing worse than if you have a drink and there's midges landing inside in it. In the meantime, and I'm assuming, Mary and Mallow, you're not the only pub that is faced with this problem at the moment while we are operating outdoor drinking and dining. It must be, is it a problem for restaurants as well? If anybody has a solution, other than the citronella candles, I, 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 I don't know how effective they'll be outside but they may work anyone with suggestions or help for Mary 1850 and John and Cove was on to us to say he contacted us I remember this a few weeks ago he was complaining about the state of the old graveyard in Cove but he's on to say that it has been done up since he made the complaint and everything is looking lovely now and credit to everybody involved there and I'm assuming there was the local council was it went out and did up the old graveyard in Cove but now he's a further complaint to make his complaint this morning is about the footpaths 
at Belmount Place in Cove. He said they really are in a bad state. In particular, he said the water stopcocks, some of the water stopcocks are actually protruding above the footpaths and he's fearful that it could lead to a bad uh, fall somebody maybe whose mobility isn't great or somebody whose vision mightn't be great mightn't actually see that protruding stop cock and uh, even somebody in the prime of their health mightn't see the protruding stop cock and could have a right old fall and he said something needs to be done about that thank you for that John in Cove and back to the driver theory test firstly a a little bit of good news for our listeners who either have a theory theory test for themselves today in Clamell or we've had a couple of others on to say they're bringing their son or a daughter to a theory test Alan was one of the ones uh, due to go to Clamell for a driver theory test and was asking us if we could find out we're still waiting for the RSA to come back with us to confirm that the Clamwell Test Centre is open and before anyone says she just give them a call they don't answer the phones at these test centres to let us know if they're open or closed um, Alan got on to Matty McGrath who's the independent TD in the area who I'd mentioned is fuming over what's happening at the Theory Test Centre in uh, Mallow or in Clamwell and he's trying to get something done about it and he's been on to the RSA to say look you need to start thinking outside the box here on this one and just the fact that the government have said you must limit it to 25,000 a month is not making any sense when they have capacity to do more. And obviously the RSA will be saying, well, we're tied. We have to abide by the restrictions from the government. But somebody needs to get on to the government and point out that this is, a, this, is, this is ludicrous as what's happening at the moment. We can take more people in. We can take more people in safely. We can take them in social distancing because they have screens up between each of the computers. So it's not making any sense that you just close a theory test centre because you've done the limit of your theory tests for that month. That is not making sense at all, particularly when you look at the backlog that we have for people trying to do a driver theory test. You can do it online, but there's a limited amount that can be done online. They need to up the capacity on that as well. Anyway, Alan said he contacted Matty McGrath's office just because he's trying to, before before you waste your time going to Clonmel uh, to say that the driver theory test centre is open in Clonmel today and it's the other, because we know we found out that they're, they're open for two more days they'll do tests in June the second date is the 26th which is Saturday so anyone who's got tests tomorrow obviously have been, have been I'm assuming cancelled and hopefully people got their emails uh, already so Alan's heading off to do the driver theory test uh, good luck there and we've passed on that message on to the other woman whose son has taken a half day from work and they just they didn't want to be wasting their time heading to Clonmel as poor old Carmel did and somebody else from Cork travelled as well and ended up with their partner and a young child and all the inconvenience of it to get there and to be prepped and ready for a test and then to discover the lights are off no one is home. Hi Patricia my daughter and good luck to everybody doing their driver theory test in Clonmel today and indeed doing it anywhere else. My daughter was to have her theory test in Athlone I swear to God the journeys that people are doing in order to get a driver theory test remember we the woman the other week her son at the end of July will be going to Mayo was, was where he's after getting his test it just seems crazy my daughter was to have her, her theory test in Athlone on Tuesday uh, but when we were there the office was also closed oh my God we rang the booking number 
uh, but also then found another email to say she'd been rebooked for mid-August. The lady we spoke to said the government legislation wouldn't allow them to open at this time. So the message to everybody is check your emails. But I don't know where and check your spam the other way. Sometimes an email can go into your spam. But anybody, I think, going to any driver theory test, certainly for now, while they are doing these cancellations, you need to check your your emails before you make that journey because people are going such long distances to go from somewhere in Cork all the way to Athlone to discover that the test had been cancelled is beyond uh, shocking. Someone else says, Patricia, as Judge Judy would say, if it doesn't make sense to you, it isn't facts, it's only lies. Some places are taking advantage of the pandemic to do less and uh, less. Carmel and those others who have travelled distances only to discover the driver theory test centre was closed should be refunded for waste of time and fuel for their car. It is a disgrace. Well, the RSA say that the emails went out. You just have to check and find and see where the emails are. 1850 333 103. Jackie, hi Patricia. I still can't understand how we are now allowed to stay in hotels. We can go in a staycation. We can go to the cinema. We can meet up with friends for a meal. We can have a drink, which, by the way, says Jackie, all of that is fantastic. But still, absolutely no mention of daycare centres being reopened. Surely all of the people availing of these services were the first ones to be fully vaccinated. Uh, but still, no word about opening uh, up their world for them. Thanking you, says Jackie. Actually, Jackie, I mentioned it yesterday on the programme when I had Paddy O'Brien on, who advocates on behalf of older people. And he yesterday was talking about the over 60s waiting to get their second jab. But I asked him about that. I asked him because he obviously works with a lot of people in their 70s and their 80s and people who go to those daycare centres that you talk about and live for their day out of their daycare centre and meeting up with their friends and the fun and the enjoyment and the social side of it. And he says that the reopening of daycare centres is part of the lifting of the restrictions on July 5th. So if everything goes according to plan and the Delta variant behaves itself... And never decide next week that we can continue with reopening on July 5th, which is indoor hospitality and more people meeting indoors and outdoors. Then we expect to hear from July 5th that daycare centres should be opening as well. But there is a but because we know now you pick up any of the papers today and there's a question mark over the lifting of restrictions on July 5th. But if everything goes and July 5th does happen, then that's when we are expecting daycare centres to open and there will be so many people who will be thrilled with that. And then there's a couple of texts in about vaccines. Mike in Bantry says, Patricia, does anybody know, is it safe to get the second COVID jab? It's a Pfizer jab I'm due to get if you have a cold and, and I did a quick Google search to see if, if I could find out anything about it and I, I didn't have enough time to, to look into it in, in more detail. Uh, Mike, what I would suggest, yeah, I'm assuming you've got a bit of a head cold yourself, you're due to get your Pfizer jab, go along and they certainly will tell you. I know when I got my second Pfizer jab a couple of weeks ago, I know I didn't have a head cold or anything, I didn't have a cold, but I wasn't even asked, was I feeling okay? I wasn't even asked if I had any symptoms because, you know, normally before you get anything, how are you, are you feeling okay today and all that? I wasn't asked any questions uh, like that but but let's put it out to other listeners does anybody go along for a second Pfizer jab and that you had some kind of a head cold and did it affect in any way were you sent home I suppose Mike just doesn't want to waste his time going 
and waste the slot which could be given to somebody else but certainly the people at the centre will be well able to let you know maybe if you put a call through to the HSE you know the 1850 24-1850 where you do the bookings for the appointments they might be able to tell you as well and uh, let you know the, the best piece of advice but did anybody go now just it's just a head cold is, is all Mike obviously has did it affect you getting your second jab and this I haven't heard of before that's not to say it isn't happening to other other a listener who is in his 50s, 58. Hi, Patricia, in the North Cork uh, area. I got my first Pfizer jab on the 14th of May and I was due to get my second one. The four weeks would have been up two weeks ago tomorrow, but I still haven't had my second jab. Now, I phoned the HSC twice and they say there's been a bit of a slowdown with the Pfizer jabs, which I'm surprised about because didn't we get the biggest number of Pfizer jabs in in the last number of weeks. Anyway, they said my name had been upgraded and that they could do no more but that I, that I would hear and get a date And but I'm still waiting. I'm just wondering, am I on my own on this one? Or, or, or is any other listener in the same boat as me? So it's a 58-year-old, got the first jab um, back in on the 14th of May, the, the middle of May, was due to get the second one two weeks ago which would have been after four weeks so now six weeks tomorrow and still doesn't have a date I'm really surprised at that because certainly if that was happening to a lot of people I'm expecting we'd have been we'd have been hearing about it but let's put it out there to see anybody else waiting that long it'll be six weeks now this gentleman is waiting and still doesn't even have a date for when he's going to get his second jab I would say I know you've called twice already I would be calling them again tomorrow and pointing that out that you're now at two weeks past the four weeks that you're now six weeks since your first jab I would be ringing them again and get them to to take a look at it because that's the only thing you can do you can't go along yourself and just walk in and say I'm entitled to a jab you can't go without an appointment but is anybody else waiting that long it's for a Pfizer obviously it's not for the AstraZeneca we know people with the AstraZeneca have been waiting even though they're hoping to get within by the 19th of July they're hoping to have all of the second AstraZeneca's done but this is a Pfizer jab and I certainly haven't come across any delays uh, on that before and then we were talking with Sally Handlin Sally O'Handlin Sally Sally Handlin sorry about victims of crime and when it's children and people feeling that they get absolutely no justice I mean she was talking about children as young as 8, 9 and 10 being involved in antisocial behaviour or robbing a handbag or a purse from an elderly person or damaging an elderly person's property and because they're so young they're not prosecuted no punishment is handed out and you know Sally was saying enough is enough they, it's their parents they're, they're, they're young enough has to be parental responsibility has to come in and the parents have to be made accountable for it well on that texture says you will probably find that the parents of those wayward children were once similar themselves and probably couldn't give a hoot what their children are up to. It's the tail wagging the dog in many a home when it comes to parental abuse because they don't have anything to fear from misbehaviour. There's no smacking, there's no anything, there's no rules, there's no regulations, there's no restrictions. Uh, the bold child doesn't always respond to diplomacy, more, no more than country leaders do. When, that's when armies are enlisted to enforce compliance. And what I ask you is the equivalent for parents when children don't comply. 
lip service and that doesn't work and the outcome is the blackguarding that people put up with because the young have nothing to fear and some need to fear in order to be answerable to someone. There is no respect now. I feel the word respect has been eradicated from the young Irish dictionary compared with previous generations who helped and cared about elderly. I hasten to add there are also some wonderful young people that we can be very proud of in this country but unfortunately, the ones that are doing the good are totally overshadowed by the bad things that have been done by uh, others. And there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of truth in that. I think, yeah, I mean, I would hate to think that our young people have totally lost respect. But you are right about previous generations. I mean, I would, I would think, even say, uh, growing up in the late 60s and early 70s, you know, when you were out and about and you were running around on the street and you were out playing and, and whatever, every single adult on the neighbourhood you feared. You know, it wasn't just your parents that you feared. You'd need to get a clip around the ear if one of the neighbours saw you playing up or if it wasn't a clip around the ear, you'd be reported back. You'll never guess what your one was up to today. So there was a bit of a fear factor to make sure that, that you did behave. And certainly there was a massive level of respect for all adults, older people, but certainly all adults. And you, I mean, I, I don't think I knew of anyone who would have been involved in at the stealing or robbing of a hamburger or a purse from an older person when I was growing up and there was a level of respect but you, but, there, but, li- but listen I hate because and I know young people and I often speak to young people uh, about this and, and they hate when the media the media seem to always target young people is, is something you hear because we have some fantastic young people uh, in this country but I think this listener could be right are they being overshadowed by the bad things that has been done by I say the minority because it is the minority that get involved in antisocial behaviour 1850 Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. A fitter mechanic is wanted in the Mallow area, while window and door fitters are required in the Charleville Mallow areas. Uh, Matt Flow Engineering, that's based in Mallow, they're offering apprenticeships. It's in metal fabrication and mechanical maintenance fitting. And a night porter and a bar staff are wanted. That's for Springford Hall in Mallow. You'll find all details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. The COVID-19 lockdown saw a staggering 43% surge in the number of calls reporting domestic abuse to Women's Aid. To talk about what the last year has been like, I'm joined from Women's Aid by CEO Sarah Benson. Good morning to you. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sarah. Good morning, Patricia. Good morning to your listeners. Uh, thank you for taking time out to talk to us. Did the, did the lockdowns in some cases just make a violent relationship even worse? I, I think that's important to acknowledge that for the vast majority of those who contacted the Women's Aid Services and indeed uh, all of the other domestic and sexual violence services around the country last year, um, the, the domestic abuse uh, will have already been uh, a factor in the relationship, in their experience. And then the COVID-19 public health measures, um, you know, the consequences of children being, you know, removed from school, so always at home, people having to work from home, people losing their jobs, not being able to go out, not being able to go visit um, those who might be a, a support and a resource to us, uh, all of that really, really aggravated what were, um, in, in the vast majority of cases, already abusive situations. Were many first-time callers to your helpline? Yes, actually, uh, during the year, uh, over 80% were, in fact, first-time callers. And um, as I say, our the National Free Phone Helpline, which Women's Aid runs, in addition to a range of Dublin-based services, also acts as a as a referral point to all of the local services around the country as well. And we know that our figures are just the tip of the iceberg. And even when we look at the responses that all of our colleagues, in addition to ourselves, um, uh, made with women seeking support, seeking information, seeking, uh, 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 you know, um, uh, ways to try and try and manage their safety. Uh, although, you know, the, the responsibility for, for that is actually with the abuser, but as best they could, even then we know that that's still the tip of the iceberg because one in four women in this country, one in five by the age of 25 years old, will experience um abuse from a current or former partner. So um, what we're talking about are staggering figures, yeah. That really, really is uh, frightening. And you also, in your annual report, spoke about the disclosure of domestic violence to children. Uh, That's right. Uh, We had nearly 6,000 disclosures of abuse against children that were reported uh, by um, uh, callers to the helpline and those receiving our face-to-face support services. And I think it's one of those things that um, it's sometimes, uh, you know, that that the children in the situation may not be factored in, but where there is coercive control in a household, it will always invariably impact directly on the, the children themselves, the witnessing of abuse of, uh, of another, of the parent, of the mother, in, in, the, in the majority of cases that we hear, is itself constitutes an emotional abuse of the children. But unfortunately, we also heard very direct reports of where the children were being targeted for physical abuse, um, for 
uh, verbal attacks and emotional abuse and also in some cases sexual abuse. My God. And and when we talk about domestic abuse, abuse isn't always violent. No, I think this is sometimes still uh, a misconception. People think about domestic violence and you have those terms like people being beaten or battered, whereas actually it is what's referred to as coercive control. It is the, 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 the many, many insidious, manipulative, sometimes subtle, sometimes very overt tactics that are used to uh, hold somebody in control, to isolate them, to achieve power over them, to create a very skewed power dynamic in the relationship. That can include both physical abuse and sexual abuse, but it doesn't have to. In some cases, there may be the implicit threat or explicit threat of physical abuse or sexual abuse. But uh, what women would report to us is that it's actually the emotional, the psychological tactics uh, combined with that kind of threat of violence, even if it's never enacted, which actually create a situation where somebody gets to the point where almost their every waking decision uh, and and thought is filtered through, you know, the fact that their abuser is in their head and it's kind of, how is he going to react to that? What will happen if I do that? They will, uh, you know, be be, um, put in a position of kind of adjusting their own behaviour to try and appease what might be jealousy, what might be um, uh, unreasonable demands. Um, so it might be, you know, I get so jealous when I see you talking with other guys and, and then they may adjust their behaviour and, and no longer talk to any other men or indeed anybody at all. They may no longer go to see their family if uh, if their partner kind of starts kind of trying to create a loyalty test where as well, you're, you know, your family hate me and, you know, if you if you go to them, that's really, you know, you, you saying that you believe them. Like really insidious psychological tactics and that's what women have reported to us for decades is the the most devastating, the most impactful, hits their self-esteem, hits their self-sense of self, and can be the 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 um the injury that takes the longest to recover from, where bruises fade. That kind of psychological abuse doesn't. It's funny when you say when bruises fade. I remember it's a good number of years ago interviewing a woman who had come out the other side, thankfully from uh, domestic violence, and she was you know talking about her her experience. And she had and I asked her had he ever been violent, and she said at times she wished that he had been violent because she said the bruises would fade, where it was the mental and the psychological abuse, and and she spoke about the fear of his key going into the door every day and she knew he, she knew he was home and then it would begin yeah. and it was just it was heartbreaking to hear a woman say I wish he had punched me I wish he had hit me because then it would have been over and done with and the bruise would have faded and I would have gotten on whereas she walked on eggshells all the time while this man was that, in the house Precisely that's the phrase and that, that, that woman is not alone that phrase walking on eggshells creating a, 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 an environment and an atmosphere in a house where Everybody is walking on eggshells where, you know, when a person enters the room, they are in complete control because everybody is, you know, acting, behaving, thinking, talking in order to try and manage uh, their response. And um, we would have women saying to the helpline also um, and to our direct services, you know, if, if he hit me, then then there might be a bruise. People would believe what's going on mm-hmm. and uh, and they, they, they fear that, you know, these insidious tactics, when you take them on their own, they may seem benign or not a big deal. But the point is, they're not single tactics. So, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, a derogatory or you know, demeaning phrase on the one hand, taken alone, may not 
you know, cause that, that, that experience of walking on eggshells, as you describe. But when that's taken with, you know, combining it with controlling the money, um, you know, controlling the fuel in the car so that she can go, only go so far to the shops and back, you know, monitoring the receipts, um, making her negotiate in a humiliating way for uh, for money for, for example, sanitary products, oh, um, putting the children down constantly, you know, telling everybody they're stupid, um, isolating, as I mentioned, jealousy, sometimes, you know, requiring passwords to phones, um, you know, as a, as a, as a, token of trust which is, is is not what that is that's an invasion of privacy all those things when you look at them together you know you really realize what a suffocating um and a constraining situation somebody's in and that is coercive control and um you know uh, 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 as you say you know that 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 woman and indeed many of the other women who would contact ourselves and others would report that that is the thing that is so hard to deal with and and then so hard to escape um, and and then very hard to recover from yeah. as well. But there is support there. I think that's the message we want absolutely, to put out there. Is absolutely. That, and then for, for the women and I always think the brave women because it, it takes such strength to reach out and say I need help and I need to get out of this situation. When they end up then in the family law system, uh, Sarah, how protected are they then? Unfortunately, I mean there, there are there are women who will successfully find access to protection and justice through the courts. I think it's really important to say that there are ways of applying for protective orders and they can be really helpful um, and uh, in assisting somebody to try and manage a dangerous situation. But I think it's um, unfortunately the case that we do have a family law system that is not gender sensitive, that is not attuned to the fact that there are a disproportionate um, number of uh, families uh, negotiating that system where domestic violence and abuse is the case because in, in most cases where marital breakdown occurs, they don't end up in the courts. So it's the, it's the hard cases that do. And that's not just where you're talking about domestic violence. If there are shared children, the issues of custody and access can become really protracted, really hostile um, through the courts. And what we were reporting um, is that uh, repeatedly and over many years, women are telling us that their experience and risk of abuse, um, where they're being asked, <coughs> excuse me, to facilitate unsafe contact for them, where they are continuing to be abused, um, but also the safety and well-being of children is not being attended to, uh, and that's because the understanding of control and its impacts on uh, the non-abusing parent and the children is not yet properly embedded and understood by all of the. Uh, the key stakeholders and that particularly comes to um, you know a, a hard point when you look at custody and access hearings where we know from our services that we, even where there's criminal cases that have been successfully taken against uh, violent uh, partners ex-partners that isn't even entertained uh, in a custody and access hearing it is set aside as not being relevant um, in, likewise if there's domestic violence orders in place women are being silenced and not allowed to share that and uh, there is a pro-contact uh, culture rather than a child-centred um, approach to custody and access where the voice of the child all too often, not always, sometimes it is heard, but all too often is not being heard in these situations. And that really, really needs to change because it's frankly dangerous. And we do have opportunities now. There is a reform of the family law courts. There's a family justice oversight group um, working within the Department of Justice. And these create opportunities for us to ensure that um, domestic abuse is not considered something that's kind of like 
over in the corner in the family law courts, it actually runs through almost all proceedings um, disproportionately compared to the general population. Well, I said at the outset, you know, the increase in calls that Women's Aid has seen last year. And I know we've got some wonderful local organisations, the West Cork Women Against Violence, uh, YANA, the, the You're Not Alone in, in North Cork Domestic Violence Project. All of those organisations have seen increasing calls uh, during the pandemic. Is there, w- will it now be the case that when COVID restrictions are lifted, are we going to see an in- a huge increase in cases in the family law system? Yes, is the honest answer, because what happened was, uh, and very importantly, um, matters around domestic violence were still prioritised and um, uh, and people did still access the courts to apply for orders. But what has happened is they have generally been uh, what's referred to as ex parte or temporary orders. And they uh, uh, um, and then you need to have a full hearing uh, for the likes of uh, what's called a safety order or a barring order. those have all been pushed out so the full hearings in thousands of cases have to be heard but also other family law matters have all been uh, adjourned through through, you know the need for the courts to try and manage the the required public health Um, you know so this is not a criticism of of the the great people working in the court system those courts the family law courts have always been the poor relations when it comes to the the legal system they're they're under-resourced, the facilities are not fit for purpose and um, in many cases and so we've had long, long adjournments of many, many family law proceedings which um, are are devastating families, tearing them apart, keeping them in in a a kind of state of um, unknowing, you know, there's no resolution in many cases around custody, access, maintenance separation proceedings Um, so while they have all started happening. We already had a backlog and a pressured system, so we know that this is going to be um, a difficult time. And what we are really asking is that in the midst of that kind of pressure, that it's still really, really important to actually do more to understand the the dynamics of coercive control in the context of all of those. So um, unfortunately, we know it does create a kind of a, a critical pressure point, but at the same time, the consequences of not having a gender sensitive, uh, 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 you know, a, a root and branch understanding that domestic abuse may be a factor and trying to risk assess for that and screen for that is going to be so, so important. OK, and for those who can get to a phone and don't have a phone constantly monitored, I know uh, you're available at one eight hundred at 341-900. But what about people who have, whose phone has been monitored? How, how, what advice do you have for them to reach out to get help? Well, um, one of the things is we do actually on the womensaid.ie website, we have actually resources around digital safety and um, in some cases how to try and check your phone to see if it has... Um, uh, tracking information on it or, or, or devices on it so in the first instance. So if somebody is concerned that that's happening, you know, um, uh, to try and find maybe other means to reach out to um, now that thankfully things are unlocking a little bit, if it's possible to meet up with somebody, um, you know, to have a, a verbal conversation with a trusted family member or friend um, to reach out. Um, it, it, it can be very, very difficult if somebody feels they are being kind of stalked at that level. Um, but there are ways to get those things off the phone. I think the risk is, is, is to try and reach out and speak to ourselves or your local specialist service. You, you mentioned some of the, the great services in Cork there and, and the National Helpline can directly connect or give all the information about how to contact those services to examine a safety plan because 
if something like that is happening, it's not the only thing that's happening. That's a very acute form of control. So it's not going to be standing alone and it'll be really important to, to discuss with somebody everything that's going on and trying to work with them um, to help them to try and manage their safety. They will know best. Uh, they'll know their abuser. Um, they'll be able to, um, you know, it's not one size fits all. So it's very important that safety is assessed on a, on a, on a one-to-one basis. So if it's possible to confidentially reach out using another phone, using, you know, somebody else's phone maybe, to then start having that conversation about what's going on to try and look at what the risk is and, and then some some steps hopefully okay. to try and um, mitigate oh. them. All right, listen, uh, Sarah, pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is uh, Sarah Benson, CEO of uh, Women's uh, Age. Their number once again is 1-800-341-900. West Cork Women Against Violence Project is 027-538-47 and Yana in North Cork 022-53915. And I know I said it when I was talking with Sarah, people have to be incredibly brave to reach out and get help, but help is available. And please just pick up that phone if you can safely. I make that call. 1850-333-103. That's our number. And Bernie's taking your calls this morning. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. And we're heading to Fomoy Garda Station where Sergeant John Kelly joins me. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. And, and I know you want to talk about business break-ins, but before we get to that, can we talk about scam phone calls? Because I'm assuming every single guard the station all over the country are getting as many, if not more, calls than we're getting every day from our listeners alerting us to the fact that they've got yet another scam call. I got two of them myself there oh. about three days ago. <laughs> you know, and uh, so, the, the, I mean, we have a warning out about 085 and 087 numbers getting them. Uh, I mean, I was getting them from from uh, an 086 number. Uh, again, because a computer-generated kind of American accent advice uh, telling me that my PPS number had been used fraudulently and um, that it, this was time-sensitive and in order to protect my assets, dial one, which, of course, you don't do. Uh, one call had gone into voicemail, and I didn't know who the number was, and I went in and checked my voicemail, and once I had... Uh, once I had the computer generated advice, I knew straight away what it was. Look, the best thing is go in, uh, block that number straight away from coming back. Uh, the second number came within two hours, so I blocked that as well, you know. Um, just obviously, you know, don't engage, don't follow. It's it's, it's just the scammers are just finding ways that, um, in a way, it, it's saving them time. That is only the person that'll, uh, that'll press one, that'll be get, getting onto a human caller. And then, and, and then, it's, yeah, it's when you get onto the human caller, then then the scam begins. They're trying to get details yeah. from you, isn't it? Then, yeah. Then, then the scam begins. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I I suppose there was another scam call that we uh, this Monday just gone. Uh, an injured party they received a phone call from a female claiming to be from social protection. Uh, this lady informed that his PPS number was stolen and fake accounts were being set up in his name. And she informed him that he'd be receiving a phone call from the guardie. You know, so the fake guardie then called and told him on the phone uh, to, to lodge 2000 from his current account directly into an account in Bangkok. Uh, he did this. Um, they, right. They then requested him to transfer monies from his savings account. At that stage, he got suspicious and contacted his bank, and the bank are trying to reverse the transaction at the moment. Uh, no, because it just hap- had happened 
maybe you know previously they should be successful hopefully in doing that but it's just to give you an idea those scam calls are proliferating all around the place you know and just for people uh, do not engage just delete um, but as I said the number that it came in and block that number straight away just go into your uh, contacts and block that number you know and then I know some people get nervous when they're receiving these calls and they think that they're being deliberately targeted they're not anyone can they're get not. these calls Anyone can get those calls. They're just going generated at generated at, at at random. They're literally going through. They're going through rakes of numbers, and uh, you know, as you said yourself, you've been inundated with with, with calls from listeners, and yeah. Gaudi have been inundated with calls as well. And um, so they're not being targeted. This is just. Uh, uh, just, just every number has literally been tried. Okay, you know, and, and they're, they're generally speaking to mobiles, even though we've had calls in from people saying that they got calls into their landlines as well, so it isn't just a mobile number. It's not just mobiles they're targeting. No, it's not just mobiles, but uh, I think most of the computer-generated ones seem to be to mobiles yeah. for some reason or other. And, and like, I mean, uh, they, you know, with technology out there now, um, you know, they can spoof the numbers that they appear to be calling from. Yeah, you know yeah. that that number could be called, could be coming from the middle of Africa or the middle of Asia, but it's coming up as an AO86 uh, kind of an uh, Irish phone Irish number. Mobile number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, my, my advice, and I constantly give it out to people, and I've been doing this probably for the last year or two because of these scams. Never answer a call from a number that you don't know, because if it's somebody who genuinely is trying to get through to you, then they leave a message. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Now, I, I, I suppose for, for work-related reasons, I know, um, uh, you know, uh, I suppose I would, um, and, and other, or, other other people would. It depends on what, say, business they're in. Yeah, um, for everybody else. Well, but again, yes, yeah. that is good advice. Yeah. You know, if, yeah. they want you, if they really want you, they're going to leave the voice mail okay. message anyway, you know. All right, um, You've, so, so, but they're still out there, there, and there's nothing you can do to stop these. They'll just, eventually, they'll just... Wear out. They'll no, no, nothing you can do. You know, I mean, when I read through some of the uh, some of the entries, I was just um, uh, it was being highlighted there on the journal that I, you know, I was reading through some of the guys uh, say as regards leaving comments. Uh, you know, some people will engage with them and really play sport with them. You know, mm. um, but I mean, I don't. You know, the main thing is just stop it straight yeah. away. You know. Okay. All um, right. And uh, you you've got some. Are you looking for help with business break-ins? A couple of business break-ins there. The, the, this was uh, the early hours of last Sunday, um, where entry was gained to uh, premises there in Charlwood. Literally, the, it was just just what we would call previously a smash and grab. They literally kicked in the front door, um, so there was more damage caused than anything taken. You know, they would have gone away with, with a, a cash register, very very, you know. 20 or 30 quid inside it, you know. Um, but it's, it's really the damage that's been taken. They exited the same way. Now, we, witnesses observed a silver grey Audi car. Uh, we believed it was in a state car uh, at the scene. There was two to three people on board. It left in, initially in the direction of Cork, but reversed travel and turned around and went in the Limerick direction. Okay. Now, about 10 or 15 minutes previous, uh, the gala... Uh, shop there in Newtown, Town Chandram, exactly the same modus operandi. Uh, door kicked in, but they're left with nothing. But again, the damage caused is uh, That's shocking. Uh, it's ju- it's is, just shocking. Yeah. Okay, if anybody has any you information, uh, please report to your local guard the station. We uh, we don't have time to theft from building sites, but they are obviously continuing as well. John, cool. we leave it there. 
Thank you, Patricia. Uh, thank, thank you, thank and you. we'll chat. We'll chat again in the coming weeks. That is Sergeant John Kelly, based at Fomoygar the station. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Pet questions, please get those in for Jane, our resident vet. She joins us in the next hour. But a reminder, please, that we are looking for your pet questions, please, because Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us after half past twelve uh, today. And actually, when I did the shout out before twelve for pet questions for Jane, I saw a, que- a text come in, and I thought it was to do with a question to do with a miniature Chihuahua, but during the news at 12 I read it and it's a family who are absolutely heartbroken because their nine year old miniature chihuahua and I imagine that's a tiny little dog called Belle has gone missing 11 days ago from the Rylan uh, area they're not locals so the dog is completely lost so I don't know if they're new to the area or not but she said my family are absolutely uh, heartbroken can you please help? Uh, so let's uh, has anybody spotted a miniature chihuahua? They're quite distinctive little dogs looking very lost in the Rylan area. And I'm assuming if we're missing in the Rylan area because they're such small little dogs, it wouldn't have wandered off very far, would it? Does anybody, so if anybody has spotted a miniature chihuahua in the Rylan area, we have the family's, heartbroken family's telephone number here with us if anybody can help. In the meantime, if you have a pet in distress in your household, and you have a question for Jane can you get that into us please 1850 you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and John O'Donovan in Cork has been on to us John has uh, often spoke to us on the programme and one of the issues John will be has been very vocal on in the past is his uh, stance on pro-life but he got on to us this morning because he said the church in Pope's Key St Mary's Church in Pope's Key there was a banner tied on to the railings outside the church in Pope's Key advertising a pro-life rally and somebody has taken it down but they haven't only taken it down they've taken it away now John says the Gardaí have been notified but he has asked us to give a mention to it because he's particularly appealing for it to be brought back uh, because obviously there's a cost involved in getting this banner made so if anybody knows where the pro-life rally banner that was tied to the railings on St Mary's Church in Pope's Quay if anybody knows where that is can you please uh, let us know please because the organisers of that rally want their banner back 1850 and talking of churches a listener says I think it's very sad to see a lot of churches you know if you're watching streaming mass online of course lots of people when you couldn't get into a church uh, ended up going to mass sitting in their own kitchen watching it on on TV and on, on some kind of a streaming service anyway this listener said spotted a lot of churches and has gone to different churches to sort of take a look at and to view mass online but the listener has noticed the big in a lot of the churches the big altars have been removed and the listener feels it's just not the same and how do others feel that many churches I don't know I'm trying to even think of do any churches still have the big altars uh, left and I know over the years when decisions were made to remove the big high altars from the back of the, the church there was a lot of people were against it at the time and I remember many parishioners were up in arms about it but churches and the parish council along with the parish priest and I don't know whether the bishops got involved in opera decisions were made to remove the high altars. I don't know what the thinking behind it was. Maybe it was to modernise make the church more modern looking. Was that the views behind it? But this listener is wondering do others miss the old fashioned high altar and I'm assuming the younger generation many of them if they've never seen these high altars won't even know 
what we what we are talking about, but they were very big, massive, elaborate structures, all made out of marble, weren't they as well? The cost, the initial cost of putting them in, must have been staggering, and the cost of taking them out must have been staggering as well. Anyway, anybody else missing the old big high altars that once upon a time were in every single church in this country? Now we have another listener looking for help. Now I've done a bit myself while the news was on to try to help out this uh, listener. This, this listener has contacted us. They're living. Uh, just outside in North Cork just outside of uh, Charleville I need some help please my son has a procedure in Crumlin Children's Hospital next Thursday but in order for him to have the procedure he needs to have a Covid test done on Tuesday evening my doctor doesn't do Covid tests uh, so I'm wondering where I can go would any of you listeners know where I can go to get a Covid test so I was WhatsApping the listener obviously it's a private test because we were thinking straight away could she just go into the HSE because the testing centres the one that's in Cork City and the one that's in Dunmanway because they're walk-in test centres and you don't need appointments but of course you can't because obviously if her son is going to Crumlin he's a child and they don't test uh, children so it is a private test uh, she needs to have done now I got I found one place online it's COVID screening Cork and I've sent her on the email address for that and uh, a phone number and then Bernie did a bit of a uh, searching around and she said Boots Chemist some of the Boots Chemist offer a test COVID testing which I wasn't aware of Uh, they're available in selected pharmacies charges obviously apply and they're subject to lab capacity uh, and especially trained colleagues and uh, stock is available and all of that uh, appointments are required and the two for Cork the Boots Chemist the two for Cork the Cork on Half Moon Street and the one in Mahon Point but if you were going to go down that route you'd need to check that you, you need to have same day results the company I've sent on I've looked at them online and they certainly do same day results but I said I would put it out for uh, to other listeners just to see because I'm assuming have other listeners come up against this if you're going into hospital for any kind of a procedure Right since the start of COVID, they've asked you to have a COVID test in advance of going in for the procedure. Obviously, they're trying to protect and they want to make sure that you don't have COVID, but they're trying to protect other patients that will be in the hospital and they're trying to protect the staff as well. I do know a number of weeks or months ago, we were contacted by a listener who was absolutely fuming. They had to go to Dublin for from Cork. They were going to Dublin for a procedure and like that, we're told that they needed to have a COVID test. So the listener went away and got a COVID test done. I think they got one done through, via the HSE. And when they contacted the hospital, the hospital said, oh, no, 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 you must have the COVID test done at our lab in our hospital. So she had to go up to Dublin on a Wednesday, I think it was, have the COVID test done, come back down and then go back up on the Friday for the procedure. And she thought, what a great big waste of time and money when she and she got obviously she got the very same result as she got from the test that she got in Cork. So I checked in with our listener here who uh, to say, what did the hospital say? But no, the hospital told her to go in and get it done uh, locally. So it's for a child, obviously, uh, as well. The fact it's going to uh, Crumlin. So how have others done that and where have you actually gone? As I say, I found one place that I've found online and uh, looks you know really good in same day service and all of that but if anybody else has advice for that listener can you let us know please 1850-333-103 and to the listener who contacted us who is worried about going for their second jab where was that it was Mike wasn't it in Bantry St Patricia is it safe to get a second Covid jab of the Pfizer if you have a cold now I was saying to check in with the HSC but certainly on the day when you go for your second jab 
they will tell you but we've had a couple of listeners on including Lucy in West Cork who says I had pneumonia when I got my Pfizer jab and they said there was no contraindication and it was fine. I don't think it actually made any difference. I'd say I didn't have any side effects because it was hard to tell as I was so sick from the pneumonia. So I think that listener Mike in Bantry will be fine to go ahead with the head cold. And Jim says, Patricia, I got my Pfizer vaccine in Killarney about a month ago and I got a text message yesterday to say that my second vaccine is in Porky Cueve today week so it will end up being five weeks of a gap which I think isn't too bad that's to the listener who's been waiting well the, our listeners been waiting, the other listeners have been waiting six weeks uh, tomorrow but that's interesting somebody got Killarney for the first jab and remember the hoo-ha and actually if I'm not mistaken I think Jim was the one who put the total positive spin on going away to Killarney to get his jab because we had people who were raging that they were being sent out of the county and if I'm not mistaken uh, Jim you can correct me if I am but I think you were the person who saw it as a positive uh, thing and said look we we were locked up in our homes we weren't allowed to go beyond two kilometres then we weren't allowed to go beyond five kilometres and you saw it as a day trip out to Killarney and uh, you were quite happy to go to to Killarney you put a positive spin on it but there was people very annoyed about it but good to know that they've been offered Cork at the time they were just trying to get through get through as many people as possible so when Cork was filling up they were sending people some people went to Limerick I heard suddenly people from North Cork were sent to Limerick but a number of people uh, were sent to Killarney as well but good to know that the second shot they've been able to include Jim and he's able to get it in uh, Cork good luck with that Jim Uh, Micah says Patricia this is to do with family law you know when we were talking with that women's aid Sarah Benson was fantastic but at times when I was listening to her it was just so depressing to think of women what some women now men also suffered domestic abuse let's let's call it out for what it is as well but it's predominantly more women than men are affected by domestic abuse but to hear her talking about what some women have gone through during the pandemic and particularly during the lockdowns I mean we all struggled but to be living with somebody who you in some cases married or became your life partner you know who you moved in with for better or for worse and suddenly to discover you're getting all the worse none none of the better and to be living in total fear of your partner must be just hell on earth and then to hear Sarah talk about when they get to the family law courts what can happen there well Michael has a view on that he says in all my time with family law matters I could never get my head around the fact of the volume of ladies who will pursue a separation case against a husband until the bitter end and sadly they never look for divorce the fact of the matter is that they still remain married to that man a separation is only a piece of paper stating you're no longer sleeping together but you still remain husband and wife sadly it is the children who suffer in all of this thanking you says uh, Michael well before divorce was allowed in this country of course many women had no other choice but to go for a separation but maybe it's a religious thing for some people that they don't want to actually get a divorce I'm I'm wondering could it be something to do with that because I certainly would know of people who sadly have been faced in that situation and had to go and did go down the uh, divorce route didn't just go down the separation route they went down the uh, the divorce route thank you for your text uh, Michael also coming in to us by uh, text what else is in on uh, te- oh this is to do with families struggling and I, I take it it's Michael and Bantry does this tie in with what we were talking about I don't know if it ties in with what we were talking about with uh, Sally O'Handon victims against uh, crime or if it's to do with the women's aid uh, interview where Michael says Patricia the lack of understanding of mental health 
and the problems that mental health can cause. It can cause anger. It can cause violence within a family and therefore within the family home. It can also happen if a teenager is struggling with mental health issues. They might be they mightn't be well enough to get a job if they're a young adult they might be well enough to go out and get their own apartment particularly people who perhaps have been diagnosed with bipolar uh, with some kind of compulsive uh, disorders families are under so much stress there's so much pressure going on within that household and within the young person suffering with the mental health the pressure that's going on for them is just horrible highs and lows Trish it's frightening and the parents are at their wits end Michael and Banshee and we know the waiting lists if it's a younger person if it's under 18 the waiting list for CAMS which is the service for adolescent mental health huge waiting lists uh, to, to get in there and yeah and a mental health and problems around mental health when we're talking about things that have surfaced during during the pandemic certainly with lockdowns and people feeling very isolated and people being stuck indoors people who were in any way battling with poor mental health it, it can make exacerbate that situation and make the mental health even worse so yes Michael I accept there are a lot of families who really 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 have struggled right throughout this pandemic and are yes and are continuing to struggle and Another listener is responding to John from Cove who was highlighting the poor footpaths in Belmont Place in Cove. Hi Patricia, I'm just sending a reply to the message you read out on your show about the footpaths in Belmont Place in Cove. They are a disgrace. We were assured that they would be done and still my children can't walk on them. I've attached a photo. Now unfortunately that came in by text message so the photograph didn't come with it. If you're sending on photographs you have to do it by WhatsApp if you want the photograph to arrive. But thank you. It does sound like the, the footpaths in Belmount Place in Cove. Has any, have you spoken to any of your local councillors down there or alerted the councils to it? Because, you know, I'm a great believer in the squeaky wheel gets the oil. If you get enough people complaining, we certainly have noticed that and discovered that over the years. If enough people report that something is wrong in an area, you will find uh, that something will get done. And, and the council, you know, I'm, I'm slow to not the council because they're trying to do the very best that they can uh, to get as much work done as they can with their, their with limited resources. 1850-333-103. Marion Northcourt got her first jab nine weeks ago in the City Hall and she got her second appointment for tomorrow in Mallow. So to let people know if you got your first jab somewhere else, if you were taken out of the county and either sent to the city or you were sent to a different county it is very possible that you will get an appointment closer to home second time round so that's good to hear and a lady in West Cork says her husband had surgery in the South Infirmary and her doctor sent him to the old orthopaedic to have a COVID test done before he goes in yeah yeah some of, that's the way some of the hospitals are doing it but this is just to do the lady who contacted us is because her son is going to Crumlin in Dublin and I think fair dues to Crumlin that are not, they're not expecting her to travel with her young lad up to Dublin for a COVID test go home and then go back up again for the procedure so they're allowing her thank God uh, to do it locally which is terrific and still getting lots and lots and lots of calls in about scam calls coming on particularly the ones that are coming from the mobile number but Dermot in West Cork got a scam call and he said it was a Dublin number came up on his caller ID again it was supposedly to do with the serious crime squad in uh, Cork. He said it was a woman he reckons with an Eastern European 
accent, claiming to be falling from Dublin and claiming to be from the serious crime squad in Cork. And she just happens to have an Eastern European accent. Needless to say, our Dermot in West Cork hung up immediately. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative, the perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. The Kildallery Community Development, they've got their lotto draw that is on this afternoon, four o'clock in the community office. They've got a jackpot of €2,100. Castellines Cooligown Bridgeway Development, they're holding a golf classic. It's on tomorrow, Friday at Fomoy Golf Club. Teams of three, champagne scramble. For bookings, you can call Don at 086 803 4771 or Podrick at 087. 3391212 and a couple of drive-in bingos that are going on there is a drive-in bingo tomorrow night at 8 o'clock in the Creamery Yard that's in West Cork and the home bingo games are on sale in the usual outlets this is for Kid Dollary your chance to win one of five full houses of €50 Euro and a snowball prize this week of €1,005. Uh, sorry, of 50 A snowball prize for Kildallery Bingo of €150. Euro. I'm giving away way too much money for the Kildallery Bingo Group. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Thank you to one of our listeners in Kerry when she heard me mention about the lady whose son is going into Crumlin for a procedure needs to have a, a private COVID test. Donna Kerry listener says, to the best of my knowledge, private COVID tests are available at the Bon Secure Hospital in Chile, obviously subject to charge with results available the same day. You must book the test online if your listener wants to contact the hospital. Uh, even though I probably think she's in North Cork, she's just outside of Charleville. Cork City is probably going to be the closest, but thank you for that for anybody in Kerry who needs to have a private COVID test. The Bon Secure Hospital in Tralee is doing it. Patricia, I may have but what did you say about the over 60s second vaccine? Didn't say anything in particular except that Paul Reid is still adamant that everybody over 60 waiting on a second AstraZeneca will have their second jab by the 19th of July and certainly we're hearing from a lot of our listeners who are saying that they're starting to get appointments now. People who were eight weeks since their last, seven weeks since their last uh, and some people a little bit over the eight weeks so certainly they are starting to call people in and actually there was talks I saw, was it Leo Farad who was talking about this yesterday when the all of the over 60s are done with their second jab. That's then the end of the AstraZeneca uh, because they've been working through Pfizer and Moderna and uh, J- Johnson and Johnson for the under uh, 60s. And there's talks now that they will have surplus AstraZeneca left and they are looking at offering that. No, Nyack will have to make the decision, but they're looking at offering that to younger people. The ones who I take it are going to be waiting the longest, the ones in their early 20s. And that's kind of the cohort of people. The, the biggest increase in COVID cases is in the 18 to 24 year olds. They're the ones that are out socialising and, you know, bless their hearts, they're the ones that are out at work as well. Many of those now have gone into uh, hospitality and they're going to be the very last to be vaccinated. So, 
Leo Varadkar is suggesting that NIAC might take a look at using up some of the AstraZeneca. If we have them in this country, we might as well use them and offer them to the younger age group. Only time will tell. But that's what I mentioned about the over 60s. They're working through it. And do I take it from that text that you are waiting on a call? You're not on your own. There's something like, four hundred. well, it was 450,000. I'm assuming that that's gone down because they've been working through the list across last week and again uh, this uh, week. Hi Patricia, I'm going to outpatients for a procedure next week. I've had both of my vaccines. Do I still need to go for a COVID test? You're going to need to check in with your hospital where you're going for the outpatients procedure and I would be interested to hear what do they say when you are fully vaccinated? Do you then have to go for a COVID test? Because I know under the HSE guidelines... If you are fully vaccinated and you you can't be deemed a close contact, say you're working with somebody and they test positive for COVID-19 and you've been working beside them in the office and without a vaccine, you will be deemed a close contact, which, which would mean you'd have to go forward for a test and you'd also have to self-isolate. If you're fully vaccinated, the HSE say you don't have to go forward for a test and you're not deemed a close contact. But I don't know what happens with hospitals who have been insisting that you get a COVID test before you go in for any procedures. And I can understand why hospitals have been doing that. Will they change it for people who are fully vaccinated? I simply don't know. And I imagine, I imagine it will be every single hospital will probably have their own rules on it. So my advice to you is check in with the hospital. And I certainly would be if your procedure is someday next week, I'd be getting on to them today or tomorrow to find out for sure because there'll be nothing worse than you turning up for the procedure for them to say, oh, you were meant to have had a COVID test done. So check it out in advance of that procedure and would you please let us know how you got on and what hospital the procedure is on in. I certainly would be interested to give that a mention. And I want to wish the very best of luck to our community, the Irish Community Air Ambulance. Actually, yesterday somebody said, did the Community Air Ambulance, did they get a new helicopter? And I said, I knew they were due to get delivered of one but I thought it was to be later this year lo and behold then wasn't it all over the news and uh, I saw it on TV3 or Virgin Media as it is now certainly hit a piece on the news I don't know if I saw it on RT or not but anyway uh, the, the air ambulance have now deployed it's a new Leonardo 109S What's a Leonardo 109S helicopter? It's only the fastest civilian helicopter in the world. Uh, From today, the new helicopter goes into service. It's capable of cruising at 300 kilometres per hour. And what that means is it could fly the length of the country. It could go from Malinhead to Mizzenhead and it could do it in a little under 90 minutes. If you were to drive from Malinhead to Mizzenhead and got a straight run through with no delays along the way, it would take you about eight hours by road. And now this helicopter can go up and do it in 90 minutes. Isn't that incredible? I saw the chief executive of the Irish Community Air Ambulance, Michael Sheridan, say the service was making a difference between life and death for so many people. He said, we're often called to the most serious of accidents in these situations where you're dealing with a critical patient. The small gains can have the greatest benefit to the patient's comfort and and of course to their outcome. He said the new helicopter was was not only faster, but it also had more room at the rear, which means it can transport adult patients much more comfortably. So well done and to continue good luck to everybody at the Community Air Ambulance. They've had a 
a struggle uh, since they first uh, came into uh, being in trying to keep going with the finances because of course it is it is a uh, charity. They have gone out to almost a thousand incidents uh, since they were first established in uh, 2019 and of course the knock-on effect of that is they have saved hundreds upon hundreds of uh, lives. So a brand new shiny helicopter but it is the fastest civilian helicopter in the world. It's one of those services it's good to know it's there. You hope that you or a family member will never have need for it but there's a kind of comfort in knowing that it is there and is ready to take off whenever it gets the call. And somebody was asking somebody by text saying did you see Spider-Man with the Pope yesterday? I, I did. I actually, I actually did. Um, a lot of the papers have pictures of, of Spider-Man. He turned up uh, yesterday. It was at the Pope's weekly audience. Now the guy dressed as full Spider-Man suits, the whole the head, you know, the way the head is covered with the, the, the mask. He's a guy by the name of Matteo Villardita. He's a 28-year-old. He dons the comic book and movie superhero outfit to cheer up children who are in hospital. Uh, and in, one in particular that he goes to visit is the Vatican's paediatric uh, hospital. And actually, after he was visiting the Pope yesterday, that's where he was planning to go afterwards. Seemingly, he was sweating under the costume because it was out yesterday it was obviously the audience with the Pope now done outside and everybody's socially distanced and all of that and the heat it's very warm it's it's Rome in the middle of June so it was a very very uh, hot day but then he got to meet with the Pope afterwards and there's lovely photographs of the Pope shaking hands with uh, Spider-Man and he asked the Pope to pray for the children and for their families he then gave Pope Francis a spare Spider-Man mask. He says, as a sign to tell him that through the eyes of that mask, I daily see pain from children in hospital. Mr. Villardita, who, with a costumed arm, reached out and touched Pope Francis. By the way, Pope Francis wasn't wearing a mask uh, and I don't know why that was because everybody there was wearing a mask but maybe he's fully vaccinated and if he is he doesn't need to wear, wear a mask but obviously Spider-Man had his own mask on so he was all okay and he got to shake hands with the Pope he then went off and he took there was, little, there was children around and he went and he got selfies done uh, with the children uh, as well and um, the Vatican described this man as a really good super hero and uh, seemingly for months during the pandemic when he couldn't get in to visit any of the children inside in hospital he was doing video calls uh, with them and he was helping to put a smile on children's face in hospital so yeah it was just it was just so unusual I saw it I think it was on social media firstly I saw it I saw the picture saying and it was the, the way Superman was sitting in the audience for with at the private audience with the Pope yesterday and he was sitting with his, you know, his hands leaning forward onto his knees, like really listening intently uh, to the Pope. But then, and then lovely pictures after of him shaking hands in the Pope, only too pleased to meet with a Spider-Man yesterday. 1850 Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And by the way, a listener just sent in a, it's a WhatsApp, isn't it? Sorry, I have so many screens open here in front of me uh, to say Anne Anne says Hi I'm fully vaccinated I went to CUH last week for a day procedure I had to have a COVID test before the procedure Okay thank you for that Uh, and obviously it's going to vary and depend from hospital to hospital so thank you for that Okay Jane Pickett our resident vet from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group joining me Good afternoon to you Jane 
Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And I have a very interesting email in for you today from Emma, one of our listeners, to say, Hi, I have a question for Jane, uh, please, on your programme. Is Jane aware of the recall of cat food in the UK due to the possible link to something called, I think it's pronounced pancytopenia? Has she or her colleagues Uh, come across any cases in Ireland or noticed a similar increase in cases here? I'm asking as these cat foods were readily available to order online for Irish consumers, obviously until the recall. Yet I haven't seen anything to warn people immediately to stop feeding these foods. Would really appreciate if Jane could spend a minute on the show to highlight this, please. What is this all about? Yeah, this is a really interesting one um, and I can understand the concern on the part of, of, of the listener. It does at the moment, as far as I'm aware, seem to be a UK-based phenomenon. Okay? okay, So it is very well pronounced by yourself, pancytopenia is what we're worried about. So that means that all of the blood cells, the red and the white blood cells that keep the body ticking over, become far, far reduced in number. And it also causes problems with our clotting or our ability to, to clot if we were to get a cut. Um, and it's really quite sad. So there is a, a bit of a space of cases all across the UK. Now, I'm not aware, to my knowledge yet, of any cases in Ireland, but, you know, that that might be outside of what I'm aware of. Um, but certainly my colleagues in the UK have seen a big upswing in cats presenting with lots of bleeding problems and, unfortunately, in, in over 90% of cases, passing away as a result. OK? OK. Now... It has been linked to a number of foods and now there's no direct link or a direct kind of cause within those foods established and it's kind of a precautionary recall as far as I'm aware and it's to do with a study that's actually being led by um, the Royal Veterinary College in London in the UK. Now it's it's to do with um, a number of foods that are made in one factory called the Fold Hill Factory. So if you, if you Google online just the Fold Hill recall, you'll be able to find a full list of foods. But as of when I was um, discussing it with, with some of my colleagues in the UK last week, it was to do with foods that were, were generally provided by UK shops. But as, as you say, they can be bought online. So I know there was some, um, there was a brand called Evo that's provided by Sainsbury's um, and some Pets at Home, which is a large pet retailer, um, own brand food. And also um, Applause, which is probably the one that will be a bit more relevant here because it is available to buy online. Now, it's only selected ones from those brands. But if, if you are concerned, just it's worth a, a little Google online to double check the recall lists. Um, but it is, as far as I'm aware, not something that's been seen here yet. But I think we all just need to be vigilant. So if okay. you are worried and about the, your cat, you sim- feel unwell. The symptoms, would your cat become very unwell very quickly? They can do. And at the moment, it's a little bit of an unknown as to the exact pattern of disease. But by the time they're presenting to vets in, in the UK, they are presenting with uh, with lots of bleeding problems. Uh-huh. So evidence of kind of bruising, nosebleeds, for example. And at that point, it's it's quite late in the course of disease as far as we're aware. So what we're normally saying is that, you know, if you feel your cat is, is unwell and if it has been exposed to any of these foods, firstly, stop feeding any of the foods on, on the requested recall list and contact your vet. OK, and we've always said that about cats. You'll know if a cat, like if a cat goes off its food, it's usually unwell. There's usually something wrong with it mm. because uh, and they have mm-hmm. a tendency to step. They, they, you know, whereas a dog will hide it, I think, quicker than a cat, will they? Or is it the other uh, way around? In, I, 
cats they have to be very very unwell to stop eating but this, a similar thing goes for dogs as well yeah. a lot of the time you know they'll battle on it and keep keep snacking because they're pre-programmed they you know as as animals the the kind of i suppose primitive older part of their brain is just hardwired to seek food no matter what so it really does take quite a lot of a lot for them to go off their food okay. for, a, for a period okay keep a lookout okay straight to questions then hi my little budgie is a year old very 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 vocal is there any way to tame her a lot of noise a lot of noise now I'll be the first to say that, you know, birds and budgies are not my forte as of it. But I suppose as long as she seems otherwise well in herself and doesn't seem upset or scared or anxious about anything in the environment, then it may just be part of that little bird's personality and with time they may settle. Um, I suppose the, the obvious things is just to check that they're not being vocal in response to what they perceive as a threat or loud noises or kind of noxious smells or anything in the environment surrounding them that might be upsetting them and causing them to vocalise. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I I wouldn't be the expert on this one, but my first uh, good instinct would be just to look at the environment, just check that there's nothing provoking their vocalisation first, and make sure that they're otherwise healthy in themselves. I'd love to suggest another budgie, but then you could have just have double the trouble, would you? But potentially. Now, some some birds work out better in pairs. It really depends on on the breed. And to be honest, that's not something I will be well up on myself without doing a little bit of reading. Okay, hi. Question for Jane, uh, please. When is the best, what is the best thing to use to clean a Bichon Frieza's eyes? They always look stained, says this listener. Okay, this is an interesting one. So tear staining can happen. Um, and it's very much like ourselves. Sometimes we'll wake up with a little bit of crusty sleep in our eyes and it can be it can be very normal. And I suppose uh, similarly with, with dogs and cats, just to keep their eyes well lubricated and normal, their eyes will produce a tear film. Um, and sometimes when that drips down in the inside corner of the eye, and particularly in white dogs, um, some of the enzymes within the tear film can cause staining of the hair to kind of turn it a brown colour. Now, in most dogs that are not pure white coloured, you won't even notice this because it's a very subtle change. But in a pure white dog like a Bichon, it is quite a startling kind of colour change in the hair. Now, sometimes it can just be a tiny little area and that may be normal. But generally, I would normally say if there's any appreciable amount of tear staining, so if there's uh, any kind of discoloration around the eye that's more than just, uh, you know, let's say the, the, the size of um, oh, a small grain of rice or anything bigger than that, um, it's probably indicative that there might be a problem within the eyes that's causing the eye to, to produce more tears than normal um, and, and hence to kind of stain the area around the eyes a little bit more. And sometimes that can be pain, discomfort, something stuck in the eye, um, an inward turned eyelash, a problem with how the, the tears drain out of the eye normally, because normally our tears should actually drain to the back of our throat. It's really interesting. We have a little duct that goes from the back of the eye to the back of our, our, our nose and throat and drains out that way. Um, if the discharge is in any way discolored, like um, creamy or green, God forbid, it's definitely time to see your vet. I think if it's something that you're noticing as a change for your pet and you're noticing more 
kind of staining of the around the eyes, it's time to visit your vet. Now, there are products on the market that can remove that staining effect on pure white coats. Um, I know there's one called Diamond Eye, but there's lots of other ones available. Um, but it may be best to just double check with your vet first that you're not kind of um, putting, a, putting a Band-Aid over the problem, let's say fixing the cosmetic aspect of something that might actually be a health issue. Or it may be totally normal, but your vet will be the best person to, to cast their eye over that and just double check that it is, is just staining. Okay, and a minute for this one. Laura has a two-year-old Labrador dog, dry cough only after running or a brisk walk, otherwise in good form. Does she need to be worried? Um, if it's just occasionally, probably not. Um, if they're otherwise healthy in themselves and not showing any signs of exercise intolerance, so if they're really able to go for a good old run as a two-year-old dog and, and don't show any signs of being tiring or under pressure with their breathing, and it's just a cough once in a blue moon, then it may be nothing to worry about. It may just be, I suppose, with the time of year, all the pollens in the air, they may just be inhaling small particles and the cough reflex may just be a normal thing to, to expel that. Okay. But I think if it's happening more frequently, it's best okay. to get a check. Okay, got to go. Thank you for that, Jane. Have a lovely week and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. That is Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. That's where uh, we leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy for producing and we are back with you with the final one of the week tomorrow morning at at 10 o'clock. We look forward to your company tomorrow. On to then, I'm Patricia Messenger. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday. There is rain forecast on the way, so get out before that if you can. Stay safe. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.